what we've been doing, it seems like, for years, okay? Uh, I think we started in the fall of 2017. We started studying one verse in the Bible, Matthew 4.19. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Hayes is going, what was that verse again? I'm going, oh my goodness. He's oh. <laughs> going, I should know that by now. <laughs> He's, he's, listen, he's got pre-traumatic stress disorder, okay? Finals are coming up, so he's, he's suffering from pre-traumatic stress, okay? He's just kind of figuring this out. Um, but, um, uh, man, what an amazing section of the Bible. Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. This is actually a picture from my own Bible. It's a different version. He said, Jesus said, I'll make you fish for people. It's iPhone picture right there. That's pretty, you know, <laughs> it's, it's, it's not too shabby. Um, you know, it, it, it's interesting because I feel like over the past, you know, three semesters or however long it's been that we've done this, um, maybe it's spring of 2018. I forget when we started. It's been, it's been a while, okay? Um, what year are we in? Okay. Okay. Fall of 2017. Something. We've been doing this for a while. Uh, man, there have been so many of my, like, just presuppositions challenged as we've studied this out. And it continues. It's one of those things where, you know, if, you, if you're a right-handed writer, have you ever tried to write left-handed? Yeah. And you just try, and you're going, man, this doesn't feel right, doesn't feel good, I don't know, you know, and, and it's just kind of awkward, and your brain is, like, if you try to do it for long, like, smoke will start coming out of your ears. I mean, your brain is not wired to do that all the time. I feel personally that way with what we've done here. As we've studied out, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And I feel like even this week, it's been really amazing, even just some of the conversations I've had. And, and, and we're going to really finish up this section um, with hopefully something that is as challenging to you as it is for me. Um, but also, I'm just really grateful because I feel like this is, again, just been a week of learning and a week of kind of like recalibrating my brain, okay? And I want to start out just by saying we've talked about Matthew 4.19 and the gospel. We've talked a lot about that, okay? One of the things I want to really clarify and make sure that we're on the same page with is Matthew 4.19 isn't the explicit gospel. Just so you do understand that, okay? One of the things that is helpful for me is illustration, it's helpful for me to be able to put something together to understand a concept. For instance, Matthew 4.19 illustrates to me the gospel, right? It's, it's this idea of Jesus coming and saying to me and you, like personally, I want you to come and follow me. Like there can't be better news than that, that Jesus who died and rose again would literally say, Van, listen, I could pick anyone else, but I want you to come and follow me. And even in all of us, as messed up as we are, he says, but no, I'm going to help you. Even though you don't deserve it, I'm going to help you. I'm going to actually change you. I'm not, even, I'm not even waiting on your gifts. I'm going to transform you, and then you're going to come along, and you're going to help other people learn this good news. All right. When I think of Matthew 4.19, I think I can articulate the gospel to people when I understand that visual representation, okay? And so I don't want you to think, man, no, no, Matthew 4.19 is the gospel, all right? But it certainly illustrates 
the gospel, the good news of Jesus, okay? And so um, we're going to go through this, and, and uh, as I was uh, preparing this, there's a book that has been really helpful for me to read as we've gone through this as kind of a parallel. It's a book called The Gospel, okay? It's by a man named J.D. Greer. All right, so right. And you're thinking, isn't it the gospel in the Bible? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, those are the books of the Bible, the gospels, Matthew. Hayes is struggling up here, okay? Don't, don't pay attention. He is a good student, okay? He really is. Um, but it's a, it's a book called The Gospel by J.D. Greer, and it's, it's been great. Have you ever read those books and, and, and people write things? And it almost makes you a little angry because it isn't necessarily the way I think all the time. Have you ever read? If you haven't read books like that, please start. I mean, if all you do is read books where all you do is agree with everybody wholeheartedly, I mean, come on, man. I mean, what's the fun in that, right? I mean, listen, for real. Um, so let me turn on this little clicker here, and we'll see what's cooking. Um, so there was, a, there, there was a statement that was made at the beginning of this book that I really loved. It kind of spoke to me here. It says, being able to articulate the gospel with accuracy is one thing. Having its truth captivate your soul is quite another. That may be the hardest thing any one of us do in this room. There's no challenge. I know it's great. You want, to, you want fastballs thrown in. I don't know of a greater challenge or a more difficult thing than to say, hold on a minute. I want to go beyond just the information of the gospel. I want to be captivated by the gospel. I, I want to put myself in a position to be to, to be broken and molded and formed by the gospel. That's very different than the information of the gospel, okay? And these were just, this kind of, just kind of sunk in with me, okay? But I want us to think of three things here, okay? I'm going to not even let you see that yet. I want us to think of, of three things that will, that, that I think are going to propel us, okay? When, when we think of Matthew 4.19, when they think, man, follow me and I will make you fishers of men, one of the easiest things for all of us to do, and probably the most natural, is let's turn that into a program. Hey, that's a great list. I can do that. Follow me. Did I do that today? Okay, I'll make you. Okay, I'm going to be transformed right now by Jesus. And now I'm going to go make disciples. Let, let me go do that. And it becomes, we kind of center a gospel around us, around our strength and our power. It's really easy to go, man, now I feel super guilty because I'm not doing this. Man, I'm guilted out because, you know, there's other people following Jesus better than me. And look at, there's other people, man, they're, they're baptizing people more than me. And there's other people, they're being changed more than me. All right? And isn't that what plagues us oftentimes as disciples is the comparative game of feeling like, man, I either feel super prideful because I'm better than someone or super guilty because I'm not. Right? This is what happens, okay? This is really what can go on when we take a verse and we say, now we're going to make it into a human thing, okay? And these are three things to me that, again, I'm not even presenting these as somebody. I hope you know this. I'm not presenting these things as somebody going, dude, I figured this out. I'm saying these statements I'm about to read to you and the verses we're about to read, I feel like I can say words. And, and, and you know what? I may understand more in five years from now. Or 10 years from now. These are so kind of mind-bending for me. Now, you, you may not be that. You, you may read them and go, oh, dude, what kind, of, what kind of preacher are you, man? I mean, you don't get this stuff. It's so easy, okay? For me, it's not. And I think for many of you, it's not going to be easy, okay, uh, when, as we read these things. So these are three principles that are going to help us surrender to Jesus 
in the truest sense when he said, come and follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Okay. First one is this. Only when I understand that my acceptance by God is not based on my productivity can I truly gain the power to live a productive life. I want you to write that down. I want you to think about that. There's a term that we often use, fruitfulness. You can put that in there for productivity. We use performance. You can put that in there for productivity. Only when we understand, and you may be sitting here going, oh, what's the big deal? It's just like going right over your head. This is one of the deepest truths of the gospel. When you understand that your acceptance by Jesus has nothing to do with your performance as a human being. Your productivity as a human being. Your fruitfulness as a human being. It's, the, the only, it's only then that we actually have the power and gain the power to live a truly productive life. Th- these, are, these are these things, so I'm asking you to write them down. Um, is that if you didn't know me and you studied the Bible with me and I said this statement to you, many of you would argue with me. There are things going in your head right now and they're the same things going on in my head. It, it's, but, but, but if that's true, I mean, that's why, like, that's why Christianity looks bad in the world today, Right? It's because people think it's just, is that easy? No, man. I mean, you've got to, like, don't, listen, I can't tell you what's going on in your mind. All I know is this is the truth of the gospel. All right? And and here's what I know is, 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 is there are a lot of things doctrinally that I pride myself on knowing, and so do you. Okay? And... And in my mind, I often think, don't ever get doctrine wrong. That would be the worst, to get doctrine wrong. I don't think that anymore. Don't get this wrong. That When I read Galatians 1, don't get this wrong. If you hear a gospel other than the one I preached to you, let him be eternally condemned. A lot of times we think when he said, oh, the gospel he's talking about is a doctrinal gospel. No, 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 no. He's talking about the gospel of Jesus saying, no, 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 see, I didn't pick you because of your fruitfulness and your productivity and your performance. I picked you because it had nothing to do with you. It had to do with me. All right? Don't get that wrong. All right? That's the thing I don't want to get wrong. And, and, and don't hear what I'm saying here, okay? Don't go, oh, so Keith is all soft on doctrine now. Like, oh, doctrine doesn't matter. Listen, I'm being, come on, man. The Bible says doctrine matters, but... But when you elevate it to a place where that's the only thing that matters and nothing else does, like here's the thing that goes through my mind. I'm going, hey, this is what I got to make sure I don't miss. Don't ever miss this, okay, of this idea that, hold on a minute. If right now you're feeling, man, okay, God, I am so happy to be with Jesus. Listen, it isn't because me and you are awesome. It's not because he thought, you know what, you can really do something for my kingdom. Isn't it funny? At some point, we started deciding that Jesus started picking people because they had certain talents to help his kingdom. And I'm like, hold on a minute. Why did he change? Because the first 12 guys he picked, they weren't super tremendous fellas. All right. I mean, all of a sudden he picked the guys that no one wanted. But now in the 2000s, he's only picking dudes that are really awesome. 
Uh, to me, it's kind of like, hold on a minute, that's backwards right here. Turn to 1 Timothy chapter 1, okay? Is, um, I don't know, man. I mean, these are things, again, um, please take these home and think about these. Please take these home and study these. Please take these home and put them up against the writings and teachings of Jesus. Please do that. And if you come to a place and you say, I don't, I'm not on the same page with this. Keep studying. Because this can be where, remember we talked a couple weeks ago about, man, we, I think we missed the boat. We don't inspire the Apollos. I think in a lot of cases, this is why we don't inspire the Apollos. Because we don't believe that God accepts you except on your performance, productivity, or future fruitfulness. Okay? Only when we understand this can we live this productive, truly Christ-centered productive life. Verse 15 of 1 Timothy 1, this saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. Right? Let's just skip on over that, right? When Paul says, man, this is trustworthy and full acceptance. Like, you should fully accept what I'm about to say. Christ Jesus came in the world to save sinners, and I'm the worst of them. But I received mercy for this reason, so that in me, the worst of them, Christ Jesus might demonstrate his extraordinary patience as an example to those who have believed in him for eternal life. Now to the king, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Here's what I would hope I want to aspire to and I want us to aspire to. We read this oftentimes like we do it. I'm the worst of sinners. That sounds great. Okay? Except there's a difference between saying it and embodying it. A lot of times we think, but Keith, if, if it's just about the gospel message, people are just going to be all loosey-goosey. Really? Like, hold on a minute. When, when Paul, what Paul is saying here is he embodied the idea of the being the, no, I'm the worst of sinners. How else should I, but how, how else can I not treat people with love and grace and mercy? Like it actually changed how he lived and preached and loved and shared and had hospitality and all of these kind of things. And, and you see this, and I wonder how often we've said this before. Well, maybe we've sat down with somebody and said, hey, I'm the worst of sinners. And I've said it plenty of times. You want to know what? I didn't believe it. It takes a lot of work. I, again, maybe you're there already. I cannot tell you the tremendous amount of work it gets for me to accept the fact that I could be worse than anyone else. It takes a lot of work and a lot of digging and a lot of, because my assumption is when I read something about Jesus saying it, I assume I'm already doing it. It's for everyone else, right? Of course I'm doing it. Thank you, Lord, for letting me read this in my quiet time because there's lots of people that need to know this. <laughs> Thank you, you know? But this is about true humility. This is the idea of blessed are the poor in spirit. Like there might not be something that gives more freedom than understanding that. There might not be anything that gives more freedom than the idea of like, hold on a minute. I'm not striving to be the best. I understand how bad it is and how much it must have taken for Jesus to go, oh my goodness, you too? 
But, and it wasn't even like that. Jesus was like, no, come and follow me. In a day, we read in Matthew 4, in a day when you didn't go to a rabbi, I mean, he didn't come to you, you went to him. And, and we're going, hold on a minute, you mean you're coming to me? And it's this reality. I'm just saying, man, that's a process I'm in right now. Is, is hold on a minute, how do I embody this? Not just say it, right? Because until we understand this, we're, you know what it happens? It's just drudgery. It's just like stuff to do. It's just like giving lip service, giving lip service to the gospel, but it doesn't really like penetrate, right? When my acceptance by God is based on performance, Pride and fear will rule. I want you to think about that for a second. Because Matthew 4, 19 is all about God saying, no, I want you. Like, I really want you. But isn't this easy? Isn't this kind of the normal thing is, is hold on a minute. What it's based on is how well I perform today. How good I'll do this week. That's what it's based on. This is the one that you may go, oh gosh, now you've really gone off the tracks. Now no one will have a quiet time. No one will love anyone. No one will be hospitable. Everyone will just go and do their own thing. You may choose to do that. That doesn't make the gospel wrong. You may make that choice. Here's the deal is, is, you want to know what? If you hadn't figured this out yet, when you're home doing your thing, there ain't anybody there making you do something different. All right? Gone are the days when you can go, oh, man, but none of the church ain't even helping me in this. Like, come up. We got to come up with a better excuse than that. Yeah. Okay. So it's that idea. You may decide that. You may go, this is great. You know what? I'm tired of studying my Bible. I'm tired of praying. I'm tired of being hospitable. And they tell us to have people over the house. I'm tired of that. I'm like, that's your choice. You could go ahead and do it. It doesn't make the gospel less real. But it reveals your heart. It reveals how much you know the gospel. It reveals how much the gospel is sunk into your heart to go, hold on a minute. Yeah, 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 yeah. You bet. Jesus, give me things. So I can go and just live my life. All right? That doesn't say anything about God. It says everything about you and me. Our response doesn't say anything about God. God is truth. Our response says stuff about us. All right? And, and I think too often we kind of use our own apathy and lukewarmness to kind of like, how can, I, how can I throw it on somebody else's lap as to why I'm not doing this? And we're going, hey, it ain't, there, it ain't a them problem. It's a you problem. Until we understand this, because here's the deal. When it becomes about performance, a couple things happen. And maybe, again, let me, let me just say this. Maybe you don't do this. Let me tell you what I do. My favorite doctrine of Christianity centers around everything I do well. You know what? When I'm having great quiet times and prayer times, and I am like so close to God, you want to know what? Everyone's getting challenged on that because that's the most important thing in your spiritual life. Right? When, when all you have is friends coming out to church, evangelism is the most important thing you can do. Right? Whenever you got people over your house every night of the week, hospitality is the most important thing you can do because we like to be the best at what we're doing, and that becomes Christianity. Wow. Right? And so when our doctrine becomes about all the things we do well, you want to know what I am filled with? Pride. Look at God. If you guys could just get on board, 
we'd be great, right? I mean, you just get filled with pride, okay? But then we all know there's the other side of it, okay? There's like the same coin, right? The two sides is, 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 the, is this an insane ability to be prideful and arrogant and insecure at the same time. Because then there are those things are going, oh man, I'm spouting off about having a great quiet time and hospitality and I'm, I'm popping off about how great that is. But man, I hope nobody ever talks to me about, you know, how am I treating my wife? I hope nobody ever talks to me about how I treat people. I hope nobody asks me about my purity. I hope nobody ever, I hope they don't do that. Until that one brother who's really strong in that area starts popping off, right, Byron? No, I'm kidding. Just giving me a hard time. But yeah, it's, it's that idea of we can surround ourselves with that and we either are filled with pride. I'm awesome. You aren't. Get on board. That's not the gospel. We're quenching the Holy Spirit. Or, I'm rotten. Gosh, everyone does everything better than me. I'm failing at this. Always. I'm never having a great quiet time. And this guy always has these awesome insights. And this guy's always changing. And this guy's always... And, and you're filled with fear. And you're going, hold on a minute, man. Again, do you understand it's surrounding us instead of going, hold on a minute. See, see the acceptance of Jesus going, hey, come and follow me. It's not based on the performance you give. Okay? It just isn't. This is a huge thing. Turn over in your Bibles over here to 1 Corinthians 15. It's right where, uh, right where Royce was earlier. 1 Corinthians 15. Um, you know, uh, again, take it home. Meditate on this. Um, if you need to call other church leaders to get them involved, come and help Keith. He's struggling. He's teaching us these things. 1 Corinthians 15, uh, right here. In, uh, we're going to start on verse 9 because this is very similar to what Paul was writing to Timothy in the Ephesian church earlier. Uh, 1 uh, Corinthians 15, verse 9, he says, I am the least of the apostles. I am unworthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. That's his performance. That's his, that's his resume. Right? That's his resume. Could it be any worse? Like, what if your resume was, man, I went and just slaughtered Christians. I I opposed Christians. I opposed everything God had in store for the world. That's what I was the opposition. He said, that's his resume. Could you imagine Paul's challenge of this following the gospel and embodying the gospel if, if it was based on his performance? particularly his prior performance of going, I better make up for this. You ever done that before? I better make up for this. Uh, God doesn't love me. Does that sound like the gospel? Uh, he doesn't, he's not going to love me until I start performing well. I'm going, Man, that's not the gospel. That isn't the gospel. There's nothing about the gospel that says, when you start doing well, then God loves you. It's the idea of, no, when you were still a sinner, God loves you. But it's the idea of, is that a true belief? Like, is that something you really will wake up with and go, okay, I will believe this completely, and that is what will permeate my life today. Okay? That, believe me, this is a game changer, man. And I'm reading this, I'm going, oh my goodness, I've read this so often, I've said it so often, but I don't embody it that often. The, the work is, man, embodying this, if we're going to really dig into Matthew 4.19, like we've been talking about, right? He says, I'm the least. He said this, by, by God's grace, I am what I am. 
and his grace toward me was not affected, ineffective. However, I worked more than any of them, yet not I, but, the, but God's grace that was with me. I don't even know what that means. <laughs> I worked harder than anyone, but not me. God's grace did. And I really would challenge you going, I get it. I know exactly what that means. I would say, please study it more. I mean, we've been around each other long enough. I don't know if there's a soul in here that knows what that means. Because our tendency is not that the grace of God propels us, compels us, that the grace of God inspires us, energizes us, that the gospel gives us energy. I think we can have a little spurts of that. But Paul is going, you know what, man, I, I am what I am, not because of me. I mean, I was just, gosh, I don't even know. And, and it's God's grace that did it. And, and I work hard. If y'all think I work hard just because I'm a hard worker, you're wrong. He says, that's not it. And, and there are times in the Bible, I think, we, isn't it easy to say things? I, I, listen, I, you hear me every week almost. You say things and you're going, I, I'm stopping now going, I don't even know what that means. <laughs> it sounds awesome, though. And here's what I want to do. I'm digging into this more to go, I need to learn this more. I need to be taught more about this. I need to live this way more. And I hope you do the same thing or else what will happen is, is every day it's going to be like, okay, we're supposed to follow him and then be trained by him and have a quiet time because if I don't, they're going to give me a hard time and then I got to go make disciples and woo, man, that doesn't sound like good news at all, right? That doesn't sound like good news at all. There's a difference, right? There's a difference in serving God to get something from him and serving God to get more of him. Man, just, just think, how, how often, how much of our prayer time, how, how much of our righteousness, our works of service, how often have you said to yourself, I've done these things, how come things aren't different right now? I'm sure most, if not all of us, have said that. Why am I going through a hard time right now? I've done everything you've asked me to do. It's because there's a theology, again, that's so easy to subscribe to. It's this idea of, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what? I want to serve God because ultimately I want him to give me things. We've just turned it away from materialistic things. Right? It's not Corvettes. And it's not houses, probably, if you've been a disciple for a while. And it's not boats. And it's not all those things. It's the idea of, um, man, how, how come you just don't send more people for me to baptize? Like, why am I serving you, God, if you're not going to do that? How, how come you don't, like, I'm trying to change this thing in my life. How come it's just not changed? What else can I do? And there is such a subtle but amazing difference between serving God because we're going to get something from him. How come you're not making my marriage better right now? How come you're not making my life easier right now? And, and the voice that might be whispering to us that we're not hearing and, and, and hopefully we begin to hear it is, you're not serving me because of me. You're serving me because what I can give you. That's it. And there's a difference between serving God to get something from him and serving God to get more of him. Hey, it's, I just want more. 
Can, can you imagine? It, we've got to put ourselves in that place. For, for to be in the glory of God, to be completely encapsulated with radiant joy and mercy and love and faithfulness with no sin to be had. We, you can probably understand why you would die in the glory of God because it's like we couldn't possibly handle all that goodness. And when you read the Bible, there's a question that we all should ask ourselves over and over again. Don't you, isn't this what you want more of? That, that's the question we should hear every time we open the Bible. Isn't Jesus who you want to know more? Isn't this guy who you want to love more? Isn't this guy who you want to follow? Like, like we've just painted the picture in the Bible of a guy that doesn't, no one else can even hold a candle to. We, we paint a picture of God that it makes absolute sense to go, man, I just want more of him. I don't care what he gives me here. I just want more of him. But we do separate ourselves oftentimes. We read about the apostles and we're like, well, yeah, that's fine for them. You know, that they got persecuted and they got killed and they had a hard time. They didn't have material things and they didn't have a, that's great for them. But not today. I want things gone and I'm not going to be happy until you give them to me. Like you better give me a good job and you better give me the perfect spouse and you better give me the great place to live and you better give me all of my dreams here for being faithful to you. When the goal of the gospel is that we joyfully renounce everything. That's the product of the gospel, is that we joyfully say, I don't need that job to love you. I don't need the perfect place to love you. I don't need everything to be catered to to love you. I don't need all of this to love you. I need more of you. That's why I study my, that's why I love that. There ain't anything that gets us closer than, than, than to follow Jesus and do what he does for the reasons he did them. Turn over to Luke chapter 10. This is um, Luke chapter 10. Uh, th- again, uh, th- these are those passages that we've read them, okay? We've read them. We've told them. We've shared them. We've claimed them. We've done all of these things except, I don't know, really embody them. Okay? Luke chapter 10, the guys go out. Think about this. Let's say all week, everywhere you went, you healed every person you met. Man, you proclaimed the gospel flawlessly. You went in, you knew Jesus, and he gave you power that you never had before. I mean, we're talking about victory. You come back. I mean, it would be like a conference, right? Everybody would be up, look at how much God did for me. Look at how much God did for me. You know what, though, is how often Jesus goes, oh, stop. Dude, you're rejoicing over the wrong things. Can you accept that teaching? You're rejoicing over the wrong things. You're going, but if I healed somebody, that's wrong to rejoice. He's like, it's not the most important thing. It's not the gospel. It's not what matters most. You mean you don't want me to rejoice in that? No, no, no. I'm not saying not to rejoice. I'm not saying not to rejoice in that. He's saying there's something better. Rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Rejoice that one day me and you are going to see each other face to face. That's what we rejoice over. I, I don't know how many of us are naturally joyful people. I'm not, right? My wife's laughing at that. She's like, yeah, that's an understatement. <laughs> right, right, no kidding, man, you know? 
But can you accept that teaching from Jesus? Rejoice because your names re- rejoice because one day, no matter what happened here on earth, no matter what circumstances, no matter what, rejoice because of that. I, I love in Psalm 27 uh, when, when David writes and he says, this is all I want. You know, fill in the blank tomorrow morning when you're in your, and you're having your little quiet time and you're praying and all that kind of stuff. God, this is all I want. You know what he put in there? I just want to sit there and gaze at your beauty. That's all I want. You can give me anything else. Here's the truth of the matter is, is I could say those words, but I don't know if honestly my heart is there. Sure. Say, all I want? Fill in the blank. You're like, oh, but this is the great thing about prayer time. I can add 10 things to that. I'm like, well, of course you can. I'm just saying, if you had one thing that you go, this is what I want more than anything in the whole wide world. He goes, I just want to sit in the temple and gaze at your beauty. That's what I want more than anything. And I think that shows me kind of like a heart condition. Okay, like really when it comes to embodying the gospel, loving Jesus, loving God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength, right? We like that one, Matthew 22. We know the answer to that question. I know, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. These questions right here and these statements, they dig my heart out. Because I can say things, then I can go, ooh, hold on a minute. Um, I have a long way to go. I have a long way to go. And the good news is, thank God that he's not going, Keith, if your performance is just a little bit better, you could be hanging out with me. <laughs> you could be like those other folks that really know how to do Christianity. You could, be, you could hold your head high if you just did it a little better. Okay, Listen, as I study this stuff out, there isn't anything that motivates me to follow Jesus more than, attack, than, than, than having these things come to the surface. I don't, I don't want to not have a quiet time. I don't want to not have close relationships. I don't want to not go to church. I don't want, I don't want to not do those things. I, I feel like the more I learn about the gospel, the more I want to do all those things. The more I want to have great relationships and the more I want to be transparent and the more I want to help people learn about this. It's the complete opposite, right? But, but I do think it's going to take some time for us to, to break free from that. And so that's what we're finishing up with right here is, is follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And I might have wrecked the whole 18 months for you. <laughs> you might have gone, Keith, I just was getting it. <laughs> I just had the perfect scheme down, the Excel spreadsheet, man. I mean, it was like, you don't understand. Every third day I was following him and every third day I was being transformed and every third day I was making fishers of men. Like I had the perfect thing going on. All right? Sorry. But we, let's dig into this. Let's, you make the decision right now that this is what you're going to do in your life. Yeah. All right? And no more blaming. No more waiting for someone else to inspire you. All right? Because I don't know anyone that can do it better than the resurrected Jesus. I don't know.